Welcome to the Revel and Reveal podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Enfield. And we're back. Thank you, everyone who has listened to all of the Cracks in the Foundation episodes over the course of this year. I've really enjoyed making them and I'm excited for what's next. The podcast is now named Revel and Reveal. It's about reveling in your current experience and even the ups and the downs, reveling in all of it, experiencing the juicy parts and also the shitty parts, um, and also revealing what can be possibilities of new experiences, new perspectives, new identities, and just really opening up to what is possible. We're also changing up the structure of the podcast, so you're still going to get awesome guests and solo podcasting from me, but we're going to have one guest a month, and the first half of the episode, probably an hour, is going to be free on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and then the second half of the episode is only going to be for paid subscribers on my Substack. so if you want to join that, the link is going to be in the description. So with that, I would love to introduce you to my first guest, Annie Perry. I've known Annie for about three years now, and I was actually one of her very first clients ever when she was opening up her gifts and opening up to spirituality and seeing the world in a different way. And I just love her so much. Um, She is now focusing on feminine power and healing the feminine wound so that we can make lots of fucking money, you know? Annie began her journey through energy readings, and she's really opened up to not just becoming an energy reader, but a psychic, a seer, a spirituality teacher. She has so many just juicy bits of wisdom. She also has her own podcast, The Luminary Podcast, where she dives into her whole backstory, the lessons she's learned along the way, and those amazing spirituality tips that just really open everyone up to new experiences. I love her. She's one of my dear friends, and I'm so excited that she gets to be on the podcast. Um, Throughout it, we talk a lot about power, reclaiming power, reclaiming the word witch. And in the later half, if you subscribe, you will also be hearing a lot of nuggets of wisdom on money. So if you are someone seeking empowerment through money, or you feel like you need to reestablish how you experience the world through money, definitely give that a listen. Um, But without further ado, here is Annie. Thank you so much for being on. You're the first person for the new year. Yay! Thank you. So that's a huge thing. I feel like I've been asking for this for a while, like in my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I didn't want to pull you on until I knew I was like going to be rebranding and reshifting all this stuff. So I'm finally ready to step into it and I feel really good about it. So thank you for finally doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. I'm ready to party. I'm ready to, to really, I just have to tell you, you know, today has been one of the wildest days of my entire year, probably of in my entire life. So at many points today, I thought I should cancel this interview And I knew that my day kept getting crazier and crazier every time I was like, you should cancel it. And then I realized that all of this energy was coming into my fields to be channeled into this conversation. So we're going to have a wild ride. Yeah. I'm excited. Do you want to talk more about what's happened today or like the feelings that come up? You're very good at like noticing when the energy is moving through you. So I'd love if you mentioned like how that feels. And if you remember kind of like the first feeling you've had with that kind of stuff, because I know we've been on like a similar timeline and I would just love like if you had a very first experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for me today, the feeling was, and I've noticed a big feeling that's a theme throughout my life and a theme throughout my healing journey. And it even came up a lot as I was looking at some of the questions you sent me, it's power, right? And so the feeling for me at many points today was feeling powerless. Like this is not in my control. This is not my responsibility. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to handle this. Why is this happening, right? We ask that question a lot. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me is the the rest of the question. And 
it's powerlessness. It's that feeling. And for me, that was a feeling that I feel like I entered this planet with, right? I come from a background of very controlling family, very trauma, triggery family, a lot going on with extended family um, abuse, violence, drug abuse, alcoholism, and being around really unsafe people from a very young age. From before I can even remember, I had unsafe people around me. And so I really came into this world and into my understanding of this world feeling powerless. Like everything is just chaos around me. And I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through and get by. And I noticed that that was the feeling that came up so many times today, which I'm coming into a new season of my power and of, and really a quantum leap in personal power, personal responsibility, and what what I like to call radical responsibility, radical ownership, really owning the fuck out of everything in your life as something that you do have power over. You do have power over the people who are in your life. You do have power over money and finance. You do have power over your job or your work or your creations. You do have power for me, especially about who I allow into my life. And I have come into this season just very recently of feeling like I no longer need to allow people, especially people related to me who are unsafe, I don't have to allow them into my world. And I don't have to seek validation. I don't have to tell them what's going on with me and my business. I don't have to tell them about the successes I'm having. And that's a really big deal for the inner child, right? We seek that validation, especially from the parental figures, the family figures, the close friends that have been with us for a long time, we seek that validation. Something comes up, something exciting happens. We feel new. We go through a deep healing process. We make a quantum leap. We get a new exciting opportunity. And we want to tell that and share that with people to have that excitement mirrored back to us. And I've realized that part of owning your power and coming back into your power is being able to discern who deserves to know those things about you. And the people who don't necessarily deserve it are really just the ones that can't hold it. They can't be there for you. They can't be who you, your inner child desires for them to be. And that is emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence is a huge piece of, of the power game and reclaiming your powers, really learning your own emotional intelligence. And so for me, that has been really big. You know, we're about to go into the holidays and we've been in the holidays here in the United States for a few weeks. And it's just always been such a trigger time for me growing up. And really all of that alchemy of those old wounds, those old memories, all of that is coming through right now. And I'm down because I have been on this healing journey long enough to know that when shit hits the fan, it means that the rainbow is very close. It is right on the other side, but you have to deal with the shit hitting the fan and how you deal with the shit hitting the fan determines how big and delicious and amazing and juicy and long-term your rainbow is, right? Something about this dimension that we're in, this third dimension, it's a power game. It's all about remembering your power. And, and that really is, you know, people ask me a lot, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? What is the purpose of coming here? And I do believe that learning lessons is a huge one, right? We learn lessons, but then we get the test, we get the exam. And it's like, how much of your own power, your own creative power, your own sovereignty can you remember that you're actually the creator in this reality yeah I love what you said about owning that power especially during holiday season I feel like a lot of us have that experience of like I get I call them the shakes <laughs> I get that like energy shake right before I'm about to do something that I know like is going to push me a little bit more and I've definitely been just 
grappling with that feeling of like, who do I even want in my circle at this point? And I think as a lot of women growing up, we're just constantly told like, we have to be desired instead of choosing what we want. Um, it's more about like, oh, I want, I need them to like me instead of asking ourselves like, but do I even like them? I don't know. And so I, I feel that pain, well, not pain, but that just shake. <laughs> it's just like kind of vibrating me into the next phase. Um, I'm curious what it feels like when, like, what does that dis- discernment feel like to you or how does that look? Yeah. It looks like a process, truly, for anyone out there who's listening and they're like, I still I still can't see the whole bigger picture of like who is for me in my life and who is bringing in energies and vibrations and who's just not on the same self-awareness and consciousness journey that you might be on, right? So it's it's a process to be able to do the inner work and to be able to get up every day and look in the mirror and take accountability for your actions that may have led to how people are making you feel. So for example, for me, a big awakening moment was realizing that I don't have to spend the holidays with my family. It's just something that I've been taught to do for 30 years. And so that awareness took time to come to come to me. It was that process of the healing work, of the self-awareness, everything that we do throughout the year adding up. And then me having that moment of realizing this is actually another area of my life where I have given away my power time and time again. I've allowed people who trigger me and I've allowed myself to like stay in that space, right? So triggers are great because they're your teachers. But you don't have to go to the person who triggers you every day and still say, hey, want to be best friends? You don't have to do that. If you're doing that from a conscious place, that's great. It's for your own self-development. But if you're doing that out of the people pleasing, which I was of, well, this is my family. So I have to, I have to, right? And I guess have to is a great way for you to start bringing that awareness in. Whatever it is that you think you have to do, look at that and ask yourself, is this just another place where I was taught to give away my power? Is this just another incident? Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, call my family and announce to them that I'm never going to see you again for the holidays. Nothing dramatic like that. But really, it's in the power of me bringing the awareness and then receiving the invitation if it feels right for me or declining the invitation lovingly if that feels right for me. And what's right for you is going to also be a process. That's the discernment. It's going to be a process of learning what is the programming versus what is now in my awareness that I'm actually choosing. I tell my clients all the time that the choosing is so powerful because so many in our thing so many things in our life when we're kids when we're teenagers we're told what to choose right our family tells us what political party to choose our family tells us what sports team to cheer for they tell us what to like what to dislike where where we should go to college who we should marry if we should, you know, follow the traditional route of like, get married, have kids, buy a house, like, that's the one that makes me dizzy, right? All of that kind of absurdity in this process that humans have created, but bringing awareness to that, is this actually what I want? Or is this the programming? Where am I feeling like I have to do this? And that's really how you start to grow the discernment. And like I said, it's a process. I've been in this process, as you know, for three years. And only now am I having some of the deepest revelations about where I have been giving my power away, where I have still been people-pleasing. And for those out there who don't know me very well, I'm a Scorpio rising. And so I really don't come across as someone who pleases 
anyone. <laughs> I just don't. I don't have that. Um, I don't have that effect on people when they first meet me. But people pleasing, which you actually pointed out earlier, it's one of the deepest forms of programming specifically directed at women, females. Be nice. Be the good girl. Say yes. Show up to the holiday dinner. Bring the food that they asked for. Smile at everyone. Take everyone's shit and side-handed comments. Let them trash talk people in the world that you don't agree and you don't want to be a part of those kinds of conversations because you're in the family and you're supposed to be the good girl. And where's your husband? Where's your traditional life that you're supposed to have? Because we're all on the traditional path. And if we see one of us break away from the herd, then you're either for us or against us. It's a programming. And for women, it has been so disempowering. The people pleasing, I mean, the layers of people pleasing that I have had to pull out of my own self and bring to awareness and then help many of my clients through as well. Sometimes it's just like my, my jaw just drops to the floor. Like, how did we allow this to spread on our planet, to spread through culture and society? And I was actually just reading a quote before we got on here that, you know, culture, that word is a red flag. And if you see it, if you see someone say, this is the cultural norm, this is the way, this is where the herd is going, that that's your red flag that you should completely reevaluate. So I'm really passionate about more and more women coming into awareness around they have where they have been trained and programmed to people please, and then allowing themselves to go through the dirty, messy, dark process of pulling all of that out of themselves and letting it go. And the reason I call it dirty, messy process and painful process is because that's usually where all of the people that we've been pleasing disappear out of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And when that is family, it's so scary for the inner child because they don't know anything else. They don't know what else could be out there. They don't know if they will have a chosen family. They don't know if new friends will come to replace the old friends that we're letting go of. They don't know if a new partner will come to replace the partner we're letting go of. But if we don't have that energetic space in our life, we'll never find out. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I've been working through is just as a woman, I constantly feel like I'm waiting to arrive. Like I'm on this conveyor belt and like I'm waiting to be delivered to what my life should be or like what it's supposed to look like as if I'm not anything right now. And I'm just like a formless being until I have the husband or until I have like kids in the house and all of these things. So I think I was talking to one of my friends recently and she mentioned something of like, if you want partnership and you never meet a single person again, like, can you actually be happy if that's what you genuinely want? I was like, I think so. <laughs> I don't think I can want something, but still feel completely whole as myself. And you and I've talked before, I think on your podcast about just desire in general. And I like what you say about power, because I think those words have so much weight in general. And I think they're very similar with this sense of like, you can stand completely tall and in your worth and still maybe not have everything you want, but it's still coming and you don't have to be less or more. Um, I think on one of our client calls, even uh, you were telling me about how it's more of a choice to stand in that. And I'm trying to think of the phrasing you said that I can just kind of move into that space and hold it in myself. We've talked about this a lot, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like yeah, we yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I teach about this a lot. So the way that I see 
the emotional process of creation is that we have desire and desire comes from the feminine energy, right? She is the starting point, the void point of all creation. And that is within all of us, regardless of gender or non-gender, whatever you identify as, you have this creative starting point energy within you. And I now like to call it the void, right? It's just pure potentiality. And that is where desire starts to spark and starts to come alive. I desire this. I want this. I'm kind of thinking about this. And a lot of the programming, especially for women, has been around, I'm going to tell you what you want, but I'm not going to tell you how to get it. I'm just going to tell you what you should want. And that's what leaves so many women in that waiting space. We're waiting to arrive. We're waiting for the thing that we've been told to want to come to us. But we're creating the reality. And now more than ever, with so much energy shifts on this planet, so the next step in our own energy is actually decision, which ping-pongs the desire over to the masculine energy. So I desire this, but I have to decide if this is what I really want. I have to decide if I'm going to allow this into my reality. And so we go through decision, we make a powerful decision. When we make the powerful decision, and sometimes for some things that you expect to come into your reality really easily, it'll just show up the next day. But for things that we feel uncertain, we feel insecure, we feel a lot of doubt around, those are the things that just get stuck in the desire, the feminine desire. But when we move them into the masculine decision, we have this certainty. And so the energy can start to move forward and the universe gets our order. And when the universe gets our order, you know, everything is available and possible for you. So it's like done. It's already ready for you. And we take those few more, you know, masculine aligned action steps. But then we actually have one more masculine step before we receive something to us. And that is allowing. And the allowing is where I believe that most of our creations or desires are kind of held up at, right? So they're either still a desire, we're not sure, or we're sure we just won't allow it in. And that's those two places, those two kind of chokeholds, if you will, are what most of the spiritual industry teaches in their own language, in their own words of like, this is how you co-create your reality. You have to go into these places where you don't feel worthy or deserving of it. And you have to kind of undo that, heal it, bring it to light, however you want to think of that process. And I think that is very true, but I think that the nuance between decision and allowing is not talked about enough because your masculine energy, our masculine energy and all of us won't allow something into our reality if it is not familiar. Not that it's not safe, that it might not be familiar to us. And a lot of that, a lot of those chokehold points, that healing work goes back to that inner child work. Sometimes it can be in past lives, but a lot of it will be in the inner child where the inner child got stopped up at, am I really allowed to have this? Am I allowed to make my own decisions, right? And that's a power piece, right? Because we're talking about masculine energy, really alchemizing this into a super healthy, divine masculine energy that all of us have not the toxic, controlling, forcing masculine energy that we've been taught how to operate in this world. So when we have this really healthy, divine masculine energy, we're allowed to choose. And so often, especially for women, it's like we're not allowed to choose. We weren't allowed to choose what we got to wear as children, what we got to like as children. We were told to go to the pink aisle and pick out another Barbie. And no no diss if you like Barbie, But for me, I can see the programming so clearly. Like, why wasn't I allowed to see the whole toy store and decide what I liked and pick something that I really liked? And a lot of us millennials or Gen Z, we have that awareness now about those kinds of things. 
And so you can really take that exact same recipe and you can start looking at the areas of your life where it goes even deeper, where you may have been giving away your power still to that programming, where you have been taught that you're not allowed to decide, that someone else decides for you, that the universe decides for you, right? For me, I come from very heavy religious programming and I was taught God decides everything for you. And so I lived for 27 years so disempowered about just the knowledge that I was actually creating my reality because I was taught that God is choosing everything for me. I was waiting for God. And I would be waiting there forever, (laughs) as so many people have been who have been You know, I feel like they have been deprived, but I understand that they're on their own soul journey. You can wait forever for something outside of you. And a big part of power reclamation is understanding that you decide and really learning that on all the different levels. For me, it has been really big in my business, like learning that I actually get to decide how people buy from me. I get to decide who comes into my world. I get to decide what kind of clients I want to serve. I get to make all of these decisions that might require some discomfort of saying no to certain people, of having boundaries, all of those things that feel uncomfortable for women who have gone through this programming that says you don't get to decide, you get to take what you get. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about tests in terms of you saying that it feels like people are waiting for the universe and another thing we've talked about before, but (laughs) um, this feeling that like the universe is a parent and you're like waiting for, I think you shared someone, I don't know the name, but I can definitely look it up of who was talking about this. Um, It's like, you're waiting to be validated by the universe. It's like, okay, I'm doing this test. So if I pass it, then I'll finally get the thing I want. And growing up in such like a religiously structured environment how did you move from or reclaim what a test is and use it in a way knowing that you're still choosing yeah yeah that's a really good question and so valuable for a lot of people to bring this into their awareness most humans are in a power dynamic with god universe whatever you believe is whatever we believe is external from us, which is actually not external from us, it is us. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the funny cosmic joke, right? The universe's joke is I am you. And what I love about learning this is, is realizing that we're in a power dynamic and it looks like the parent child power dynamic. And so that really is the, the, the universe gets to decide for me. God's deciding like God's I I was told in so many different religious settings, you know, like God is preparing your husband for you. Like he's some sort of like cooked meat dinner or something. (laughs) God is preparing your husband for you and you'll only get it at the right time. And so between now and then, you better be a good girl. You better go to church. You better do all the right things. You better wear a skirt every day. I would get in trouble. I would literally get grounded, yelled at, in trouble if I tried to go to my church not wearing a skirt, if I tried to wear pants, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the the really deep, I don't know how many people are going to identify with that level of kind of cultish religious programming, but I would be told so many of those things. And we really do, like for me, it was just a light bulb moment. And the person who taught me that was Sarah El Khadi who is known in the Instagram, YouTube world, a very, very on point spiritual teacher. She goes by the alchemist and um, she's a Blu-ray like me. So she's just like fire, like straight to the heart, straight shooter, um, indigo warrior energy. Absolutely love her. But she teaches this concept that if you believe that you're in a parent child dynamic with the universe, That's really what's stopping up so many of your creations because you're waiting for someone outside of you to choose, to decide, to design, to allow, to bring it and just, you know, drop it like manna from heaven into your lap. 
And I don't believe that creation is hard. I believe that we have been taught that it's not ours. And that is really the hill that humans are climbing right now. That's the reclamation of power. Realizing that you're actually the creator. There is no one creating your reality outside of you. We are all extensions of the same source energy. We are. One of the most triggering things I love to tell people is, I am God. (laughs) I am God. That's my, that's my introduction line. They're like, Hey, what's your name? I'm God. (laughs) And um, we, the truth is we all are, we are all God. And whether or not that sits well with you right now, or when you get to the afterlife, eventually, trust me, you'll remember that you are in fact, the one infinite creator in this, you know, simulation that we've created for the sake of experiencing different parts of ourselves. What would I want if I was Deanna and I had all of these specific experiences? What would I want out of life? What would I want to create? What would I want to experience? If you're just one being, your experience is so limited. But if you're in amnesia mode and you have millions and billions and infinite amounts of yourself fractaled out there having different experiences, then you truly are the infinite experience. And and I love that about our universe is just it's just one giant paradox. You could just go so far out to one edge of the universe and you would end up right back where you started. It is a big circle. But what I would encourage everyone to take away from someone telling you that you're God is to really look at the power dynamic that you might be stuck in with the parent-child relationship. Thinking that someone's in charge of me, someone's deciding for me, someone is going to do it for me. All of that is us being outside of our own power. And when we come back into that power, we start to realize it. It can be a little nerve-wracking at first Because suddenly you realize, oh shit, any of the messes I have in my life, I actually created and I'm responsible for. But you're also empowered now knowing that I can turn this into whatever I want. But I have to continuously keep reclaiming that power. I have to continuously keep strengthening the boundaries, raising the standards, coming into my power not allowing how everyone else around me feels to be how I feel, allowing myself to choose how I feel. And when you're in that parent-child dynamic, you've been taught that you feel how your caretakers feel. Dad is angry that day, you're scared, right? But then you start to get frustrated because you're taking on dad's anger, If mom is sad that day, suddenly you feel sad and you start to feel like depression, anxiety, everything is going wrong. So as a child, we were constantly, we have open auras when we're a child. So we're constantly taking on the emotions of everyone around us. So part of this process of coming to realize that you've been in a power dynamic with the universe is starting to realize that many of the emotions you experienced as that child and that your inner child is carrying are not even actually yours or someone else's. For me, it was frustration and anger. My dad had a lot of anger. My mom would get really, really angry. All of my, my relatives, like, like so I, I'm not just talking about like my immediate family, but all the people we're related to had a lot of these really big addiction problems. People going to jail, getting arrested, like just chaos. And, and, and layered over that was also the religious programming. (laughs) So there, there are two facets of the same childhood that I experienced, which is bizarre to me. It's like, be the good girl, but uncle so-and-so is like getting arrested on drug charges. (laughs) Very confusing for the inner child. Right. But a lot of those feelings, they weren't mine. Like, I wasn't an angry child. I wasn't a frustrated child. I wasn't a depressed child. I wasn't anxious that, you know, the police were going to bust down the door. 
those were the feelings of the adults around me. And then it became the siblings with other children that were around me. So you can start reclaiming so much of your own power by realizing some of the shit that I've been carrying for the last 20, 25, 30 years, it's not even mine. Yeah. I like what you're saying about the energetics of the emotions of others and in line with like tests and triggers as they come up. I, it's more of like an energetic check-in with yourself than an actual test. And I think it, shifting that away from like, oh, I'm getting tested right now. I have to make the right choice to like, oh, how am I showing up for myself? And like, do I want to stay the same or do I want to like start moving somewhere else? That kind of takes this pressure off yourself because you can still get everything you want without quote unquote passing that test of this feeling of like, no, it's just letting you know where you are. I have a really like <laughs> silly example, but one of the things I really want is to like, I always pursue first, like other people. And I was like, okay, I want to be asked out and I'm going to allow someone to ask me out. And then there was someone that I met that I, I really wanted to like get them to ask me out. And I was kind of going crazy of like, okay, well, why aren't they? <laughs> I don't get it. And so I got those shakes because I was like, it's so weird to me that I'm so triggered because I'm not familiar with allowing someone to pursue me that even like the idea of waiting for that to happen is so uncomfortable to me. So I ended up like just being like, Hey, I like you, but <laughs> to this day, I'm still working through like, okay, do I actually want to be like that and be like so direct, which I love about myself or am I trying to like teach myself how to receive, but I didn't do anything wrong by asking them out or telling them that I was interested. It was just like, this is how I feel right now. <laughs> we'll see what yeah. happens next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the topic of tests, which was also part of your question, you know, I have come into this reframe around tests. So I believe that tests are also part of that ideology that we're in this like parent-child dynamic. And hmm. as we get deeper and deeper into this ascension process, I'm coming across more and more teachers who are, who are, teaching and kind of refuting that you're not actually manifesting anything outside of yourself. And so that teaching that paradigm, which is one that you and I met in, you know, which was so beautiful and lovely and we learned so many things, but it was this idea that, you know, we're manifesting with this energy outside of us. And so what I've kind of grown into is realizing that the deeper we get in this ascension process, the more that it, we are being brought into moments of realization that we're not creating with something outside of ourselves. We're creating with something inside of ourselves that many of us don't want to look at or face or realize is exponential power, right? Exponential power to create anything in this world. And so this idea of tests, which is for anyone out there who doesn't know, is if you're creating something, you might get a lesser version a lower self-worth version, an opportunity like the one that came to Deanna. And what it is really is, I believe, an opportunity, an opportunity to be a more empowered version of yourself or to be the same version of yourself that you have been. And the universe gives us these opportunities because it is so much less about what we do. It is about who we are. This whole process, this whole 3D world that we're in, this whole lifetime that we're living is so much less about the things we do, what we accomplish, where we work, you know, the labels that we put on ourselves, and so much more about who we are being. And so in every moment, for me, when I come up across those tests or opportunities, as I like to call them, ask myself, like, what would the most empowered version of myself do right now? And for you in that moment, the most empowered version of yourself might have boldly gone up to that person and said, hey, I like you. I want to go grab coffee. And that may have been way outside of your comfort zone. That may have been your edge, right? And so that may have been the place to go for you in that moment to reclaim power that maybe previously you might have shied away from. 
Whereas on the other hand, you could also look at it and one of the options you were weighing is, do I wait this out? Do I kind of like wait here to be chosen, which is one of the topics we were talking about earlier, my waiting to be chosen. And so what I see in your energy is going to be not this, you know, linear, but rather these steps that you're taking of reclaiming power in different areas. One of the areas that you just reclaimed power was boldly going up to someone and saying, hey, I like you. And then the (laughs) next time it might be actually, if someone wants to date me, they can come and ask me out. And that might be for you the most empowered version of yourself at that moment. So we're reclaiming different levels, different layers all the time as we move through this test process or this, what I like to call this creation process. We're moving through, we're reclaiming different layers and different layers because ultimately there is something that we desire that requires a more empowered version of ourselves for us to be able to hold it. And so if you're manifesting a partner, you're probably manifesting a very powerful, empowered, conscious partner. And so Mm -hmm. you may go through many of these opportunities as you reclaim all those little bits of power and really align to that version of yourself that's going to be able to hold the frequency, the energy of that relationship. Yeah, definitely CEO energy only. (laughs) That's what I keep saying. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great time to talk about the eye of the storm concept too, because that's part of it is like holding that duality of how do I allow like this chaotic experience around me like with all of these holidays coming up and all these triggers and all the stuff that like makes my nervous system go fucking crazy while also like feeling this calmness that I am in my power no matter what's happening around me um especially with that feeling of like oneness inside of you how do you balance like wanting that distance but also like holding that space for yourself and navigating this eye of the storm Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. So the eye of the storm is one of the teaching concepts that I like to give, especially to women, because we have all of that subconscious programming and we're very busy these days. We are taking care of ourselves. We're working. If you're a millennial, you work, you have your career, you have all of your extra activities. And then of course we want our relationship. And so we're very busy all of the time. We're doing a lot. And when you are someone on a healing journey, you're also probably surrounded still by some of the the people that have hurt you, impacted you in negative ways, triggered you, traumatized you. And you're going through the process of healing that through their mirroring back to you and through all of the layers of trauma, if you will. And so the eye of the storm, if you think about a hurricane, there's all this like chaos happening outside. And and I was in the eye of this. I was in the storm today. (laughs) (laughs) I was oscillating between being in the eye of the storm and being in the storm. And what's interesting is that the more power you reclaim, the bigger your hurricane gets. It's like massive. It's like, so you start out at a category one and then you reclaim more power and you become a category two. And right now I felt like I was in a category five today. So the more power you reclaim, the bigger your storm gets. And you can ask people like, I don't know, Elon Musk is a good one, right? He has a lot of power. And in this moment, he's he's navigating, you know, shitstorm after shitstorm that's going on with the whole Twitter debacle and other things I'm sure that he has going on in his life that we don't know about. And so the more power you have, the bigger your storm is. And for us as individuals, what that might look like is maybe you're building a business, maybe you want to have a career and a family and all of this stuff going on. So your your storm's going to get bigger which means there's more potential for things to go wrong. But in the eye of every hurricane is complete stillness, peaceful there. When I lived in Florida, I met a guy who would fly the the airplanes to go study the center of hurricanes and fly way above the hurricane. He would go down inside the hurricane to gather up data and information. 
And I found it fascinating. I was like, how do you fly an airplane in the middle of a storm? He said, it's totally peaceful there. There's no storm going on. And that really what I see energetically is the core of us, the center of us. When people say, I just need to get back to my center. I need to center myself. That's really what they're talking about. Getting back to not necessarily a frequency of peace, but what I think of as remembering that how we feel is our choice. It's our power to choose how we feel. We can have all of these storms going on around us, but if I choose to feel like shit, I'm just going to add more shit to the storm. (laughs) If I choose to get back into my power, to realize that actually I'm going to continue making moves, I'm going to continue having a good day, or I'm going to continue having a mediocre day, whatever I can manage for that day, whatever my capacity is, that's what I'm holding in my field. So holding all of that is the ability to not just be in the storm. When things go wrong in your life, when things go sideways or backwards, or you feel like total shit, to not be stuck in the cycle, right? We see a hurricane, it's going around in circles and circles. And sometimes our emotions are like that. I feel like I'm just being thrown around. I'm just being, you know, going in circles. My thoughts are going in circles. My thoughts are spiraling. That's your, that's your cue to remember that actually, since I'm all things, since I'm God, I'm also the eye of the storm, which means that in this moment somewhere is peace available to me or even just power, which is just remembering whatever it is that you need to remember in that moment about yourself. I'm worthy. I'm deserving. I created this, which means I can create something else. I can get back into a creative space. I can think of something new. I can sit down and daydream if I want to. In the middle of chaos, you can do that. It's your choice. And we hold that duality inside of us, which is really incredible. And you'll see people who have a lot of power in the world or who are actually creating their dream life. I would encourage people to find those out there that have a dream life very similar to what they desire. Very big. I'm, I, I dream very, very big. I don't do anything small, really. And that's something I had to come to learn about myself. Like whatever it is, whatever fantastical dream you have out there, find someone who's holding it. And what you'll notice is they don't spend their time in just the storm of just being tossed around by every emotion, everyone around them, the thought spiraling down, the low self-worth, the I can't do it. They have all of those feelings, but they don't live there. They don't spend days, months there. They have the feeling, they get back to the eye of the storm. I'm recognizing that I'm holding both. I'm holding the duality. I'm holding the light and the dark of this dimension at all times. And you really are, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are, because God is duality. You are holding both of those. But what's going to make you feel a lot better is realizing that you are and realizing that you get to choose if you want to stay in the storm or if you want to move into the eye of the storm. Something that keeps popping up in my head is just my brain, mind, something in there. I drew something a while ago where it's like this being with intention, it's always a direction, but expansion is always a sphere of moving outward because when you're expanding, we keep thinking that, oh, I'm going to have such like high feelings and amazing and feel like so good. And I'm going to have this dream life, but you're just expanding your capacity for all emotion, which includes the shitty ones. So when you keep expanding, you're going to be able to handle it, but it's, you're expanding to the point of like those lower emotions are going to get lower sometimes. And like, that's okay, but they're not going to rock you as much. And you're kind of just moving around in this space, which is that storm of like, I have this lower emotion coming up, but I can move just as fast to the higher ones where I could sit here and see like, what's it about. And I think curiosity is kind of like the power of everything is like moving in a sense of 
study like that man in the plane, instead of feeling like you're getting jostled around, you're like, Hey, let's just see what's happening. Let's get some data. (laughs) Let's find out. Yeah. I love that you brought up curiosity. I actually had this download come through about curiosity the other day. I was working on my rejection wound and I have always felt like an outsider, like weird, like different, like everyone is staring at me. Like, what is that thing? And over time, obviously as a psychic, I learned that I'm hyper aware, of course, because of my gifts and so many people who are going to hear this are as well. And I'm also, you know, an alien. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there are many reasons why that is. And so over time, I kind of had this rejection wound of feeling like I'm this weird outsider on this planet. Like no one's ever going to get it. They're not going to get me. Why did I even bother coming here? And what my guides showed me is, you know, I asked like, why do I feel so rejected by, especially the people that I grew up around? Why do I feel so rejected by them? I'm not that different. (laughs) 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 Kind of am, but, you know, my inner child was making the plea that, you know, we're not that different. And my guide said, you're a curious one. That's the difference you were curious and they showed me this kind of metaphor of like, imagine that everyone is at a party, right? And so the party is earth. Everyone's engaging in the matrix and they're, they're all doing the party things together, but you're the one on the outskirt of the party that sees something outside. And so you start to disengage from them and what they're doing in their party. And they start to say, oh, like they're a party pooper. Like (laughs) they don't want to be here. Like, why are you even here if you don't want to be? And, but you're, you're looking at this thing that you see outside and you're like, guys, there's something outside. There's something outside. There's something out there. I see it. I see it in the, in the night sky. And they're all, they all want to engage in this party, but you keep moving towards the door, towards the door, away from the crowd on the outskirts of everything. And you finally get to an open door and you get outside and like that's the spiritual awakening right of like holy shit there's so much more out here and you see that there's actually like a meteor shower going on and you're like this is amazing this is so much better than the party tricks going on inside and you're like guys come out here like look at this look at this and maybe one person comes out and they're like holy shit And then another person comes out and then another. And then suddenly all the people that you were at the party with, they want to be outside looking at the meteor shower, but you had to be the outsider. You had to be the freak who would first be brave enough, curious enough to say, what is that? What else is out there? What do I see? What do I feel that is more going on out there? And so curiosity really is a marker of someone who knows in their soul that there is so much more out there. And it doesn't matter if you want to go cosmic and galactic like I do, or if you want to go into the depths of love, if you want to go into the depths of business or building your own empire, if you want to go into the depths of being a nomadic traveler and just seeing the wonder of the world. The curiosity is a mile marker that you came here to show people what's possible, what else is out there, what's outside of the 3D everyday mundane party that everyone's engaged in, that you see, that nobody else sees. So that curiosity is really your gift. Mm -hmm. That's exactly why I'm naming the podcast Revel and Reveal. Because it's like, what can we have this just reveling feeling in and like really just this juicy experience of like, I get to revel in this moment, but I'm also revealing something and some kind of truth and just getting to experience both. And to me, that's what like the eye of the storm is too, is just this chaoticness and this love of like what the chaos can be, but also allowing it to reveal what is possible. I remember I would get so angry at my parents if they always were like, well, that's the way it is. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) What do you mean? And (laughs) I got like an argument with someone once 
because I asked, well, I didn't accidentally say, but I forgot that they were very stuck in this way. And I made a comment saying like, oh, money's made up. Like we just decided that it was going to be worth something. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like money is real. I'm like, it's not like it always existed. What do you mean? (laughs) And they just went off on me. And I've had experiences where someone, I was at a bar in Portland and he was like, oh, you're the reason wars happen and all of these things where I'm like, oh, you can tell when people like aren't ready. And there's kind of a look in their eye where it's just, they're not lesser or anything. It's just, they're not curious or they're not ready to experience something different. And I love, even if someone calls me delusional or anything like that, I love feeling like life is a miracle and gets to be a miracle. So if that's how I want to live life, like that's fine too. (laughs) So I definitely love that. Um, With your angel messages, I did want to move into that because feeling like an outsider, how have you opened yourself up to trusting those that come in and like really reclaiming that word psychic and what has your been what has been your experience with that yeah um I love this question because so many of us came to this planet this lifetime this experience to reclaim something and what's funny is that the theme of this podcast is kind of turning into like reclamation of power which is Mm -hmm. a big theme in my teachings and I really, um, I really wanted to reclaim this word subconsciously from the very beginning of my psychic journey, which coincidentally was towards the beginning of my spiritual awakening as well, which just means that I always meant to do this. I always meant to open up my gifts, use them in service of humanity And I felt just subconsciously when my gifts started to come online that these are psychic gifts. And I didn't feel weird about that word at all. Um, Many women are out to reclaim the word witch and what that means for them, which I think is very powerful. For me, it didn't have as much resonance. It didn't really correlate as much to what I was doing. I was out there surfing the quantum field and downloading information and talking to spirit guides. So it was about a year-long process from opening my gifts to actually going out in the desert and being trained as a psychic, being trained to read energy and auras, to heal auras, to talk to other spiritual guides, to have the full psychic experience as, as I know it and experience it. So I'm a blue flame channel. Blue flame channels are one of two main types of psychic or however you decide to use your gifts for you. And it means that I primarily move through the universe in time space. So I move through it in kind of a linear way. And what I like to think of as like horizontally, if you want to imagine it that way, and all blue flames move through the quantum field this way. There is violet flames, which are also very common, and they tend to be those who like to go up and down vertically in the dimensions. For me, it takes so much more effort and energy to do the dimensional work, whereas I can be like seven million years ago, what was going on at this place? That's for me is so much more intuitive. And so the word psychic means a lot of different things to people. I have been called a fortune teller. That's the most common one. And most people who are just going to find this out right now, psychics are not here to tell you your future. And, you know, that that used to be the old way. And the old way was like the gypsy in the caravan with the crystal ball and like a bunch of incense. And she would kind of like tell you that like your lover is going to come in like two weeks or something, (laughs) something like that. And she was using psychic gifts, but she was using very, very distilled, like, or not distilled, but like dumped down, like closed versions of them compared to what's available to all of us right now. So any one of you could decide that you want to become a psychic and you could turn on a level of gifts that has never existed on this planet before. So being a psychic doesn't make me special. It's just how I choose to 
serve humanity, choose to come forward with that title and really reclaim it from this this old way of like, you're the fortune teller. You're going to tell me who I marry. You're going to tell me all of these really 3D desires. And for me, my desire and using the term psychic and using my gifts the way that I do is to empower people, to remember who you actually are. So when I read your chakras, when I talk about your spirit guides, all we're doing is reminding you who you actually are. When I tell you about your past lives, that's who you actually are. When I talk about your trauma, that's who you actually are. And so reclaiming the word psychic has become this journey of actually revealing to people their own power. And that's always how I want it to be. When I was newer in this work, there was a lot of attracting people who were out of their power. And they were out of their power to the degree that I was outside of my own power. And so I've been on this shoulder to shoulder journey of reclaiming my own power. And it makes the psychic experience with my clients and with who I attract into my field so much better because I'm in my power. I'm revealing your power to you. You're embracing your power. We're having a powerful moment. We're not relying on the psychic to tell us what's going to happen to us, to to give our choice and our agency away to another person again and again and again. And really, we've been doing that since childhood. It's not necessary anymore. It's necessary for you to remember who the fuck you are. Thank you, Annie, for shedding light on reclaiming power. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. Also check out Substack if you like to listen to the rest of this episode. It's for paid subscribers. It's coming out in a couple weeks, so be sure to check it out. And thank you for listening.